I'm Dr. Lauren Hungler, naturopathic doctor and creator of the Healthy AF Mom Show, the show that helps tired millennial moms regain control of their energy, calm their cravings, help them get better quality Z's, understand their postpartum bods, and live life a little greener and a little cleaner. On today's episode, we're going to be chatting about all things intermittent fasting. And in this bite-sized episode, we're going to go over a few key things. So one, what is intermittent fasting? What's a fasting window? What's an eating window? Two, is intermittent fasting right for you? And three, how to create metabolic flexibility in your body. Before we dive in, I invite you to jump into the show notes where you can get access to our five-day Slay All Day Challenge. It's a fantastic addition to your healthy lifestyle and help you get you feeling healthy AF tomorrow. If you're enjoying our podcast, the content, and all the tips and tricks, I invite you to head on over to iTunes or your podcast app to leave a review and to subscribe. Intermittent fasting, like what a buzzword if we want to talk about one. I get asked about this concept or this pattern of eating or way of eating constantly in my practice. And so I wanted to really take this moment to kind of go over like, what is it? What is happening from a physiology and a biochemical standpoint? Let's talk about some of the hormones. We'll kind of geek out in the science area just a smidge for me. And then we'll go over like, who is it for? Who is it not for? And really dive into some of maybe the nuances and unpack what intermittent fasting is and is it right for you? So what we want to really be mindful of is intermittent fasting. The nice piece about it is it's not really hyper-focused on what you eat, right? So when we look at gluten-free and dairy-free diets, if we're looking at paleo, Atkins, keto, it's really focused on like the what of it. Like what exactly are you eating? What is on your plate and what macros and what components are you putting together? Intermittent fasting is more about like meal timing. So when are you eating? What time is that happening at? What is your body doing at that time? And is it going to be appropriate for you? So meal timing is really what intermittent fasting is about. So we usually talk about it in eating windows and fasting windows. So eating windows, as it would suggest, is when you're actually consuming your caloric value for the day. So usually you want to isolate that to a certain period of time. When we look at the research and when you look at a lot of the studies when it comes to intermittent fasting, usually those fasts are between 14 to 16 hours when, and I would really say that 16 hours is considered this like gold standard place that people tend to sit. And so a 16 hour fast, and then we have an eight hour eating window. So if you were doing from noon till eight o'clock at night, that would be your eating window. And then you would fast or not eat eat anything calorically dense between 8 p.m. and noon the next day. And that's kind of how that system looks or those eating windows look. What we really want to make note of is how does our body metabolize calories, right? Like what is actually happening there? And then we'll kind of bump back into intermittent fasting and have a discussion around like how do those, how do these two things link together and how can we understand how they're working and why we might want to put it into practice. So when it comes to how your body takes in calories, so usually say you ate a piece of bread because toast is always simple to talk about. So say we're eating a piece of toast. You're going to eat that piece of toast. You're going to start digesting it and metabolizing it. We're going to absorb it into our gut and into our into our bloodstream. And then that moves out that glucose or that free sugar out into your body. So your blood sugar rises. As your blood sugar rises, this will stimulate the body to produce insulin. 
which is going to be our body's hormone and response to increased blood sugar values. It basically goes around the body and is like, hey guys, sugar's here. Is anybody need any energy? Do we have to do we have to do anything right now? Like I got it for you. So insulin is going to be that lock and key idea where insulin kind of goes, chats to the cell and is like, hey, do you, do you want some? It opens up the door and then sugar or glucose is allowed to flow in from the bloodstream into that cell. And then we can use that energy to pump our heart, to make our brain think, to use our muscles, to do any metabolically driven activity that our body needs to do. It all takes energy. And so our caloric value and the what we're getting out of our food is how those things work in your body. That's how we drive, that's how we drive the boat, right? And so what can happen is that over time, we can have this blood sugar destabilization that can happen for people. Probably back in the 90s, the 2000s, right? It was always like, eat five times a day, have three snacks, three meals. Like it was this like nonstop eating frenzy. And the problem with that concept and with that idea is that we were constantly bombarding our body with free sugar for free energy and constantly asking ourselves like, hey, do you guys want any? Hey, do you need anything? Is there something I can interest you in? And so over time, your body can stop listening to those factors, right? And so when that happens, we see blood sugar elevated over longer periods of time and elevated insulin as well. And so downstream from that, this could be a sign for type 2 diabetes, which I think we all can agree is fairly rampant in our culture. And so constantly eating all day can actually have negative impacts on your physiology and your metabolic function, right? Because there's constantly free energy available. And at some points, your body just says like, I don't like, I don't need it. You want to think about that almost as like the person in your office that sends you like 40 emails in one day. That's kind of like insulin. It's like, hey, do you need this? Hey, can I help you? Hey, can you do this? And at some point at the end of the day, you're like, screw off, Betty. I can't open another email from you. And you just stop listening. And so that's what can happen when we start getting into metabolic issues is because our cells and our hormones and our blood sugar value aren't communicating appropriately and we have excesses that are happening. And so when we have excesses, your body is going to respond to that usually in a more negative way way. And so what we want to do is that if in a perfect world, when we look at our blood sugar, we'd want to just like slow the release of sugar out into the blood, right? So protein, fat, and fiber help us to do that. So instead of getting, when you eat that piece of toast, getting these huge sugar spikes and huge sugar drivers, we absorb that sugar very quickly. And then you tend to bottom out after that. That's when we get that like big time hunger around 10, 10, 30. When we need that other snack, it's because we didn't stabilize your blood sugar at the beginning. If we add in more nutrient dense foods, we add in a more balanced macronutrient plate, meaning having carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, and fiber, your body is going to be slower to release that sugar out into the blood, right? And so then your cells are being gently nudged to say like, hey, do you need some of this? And then it either takes it up or it doesn't. It has the decision, but it's not constantly being like ramroded when it comes to like, do you need this in your life? right? And so what we want to remember is that we need to stabilize this blood sugar aspect. So what intermittent fasting helps us to do is it kind of helps us in this physiology of metabolic support, right? So if we looked at fasting from a physiology standpoint, what we do is that we're helping the body to do a bit of like metabolic switching, meaning that if at night you stopped eating at eight o'clock, your body 
will start to utilize the sugar that you had from dinner, right? So it'll access like any of that free glucose that you ate. Maybe it was like some pasta, maybe it was some rice that you had with your stir fry, whatever it is, right? You're going to use up that free sugar very quickly. Later into the night when you're sleeping, you've kind of burned through all these free sugar stores and it's like, okay, like what do I have? So I still need to like do things. I still need to like breathe. I still need to like do all my metabolic functions for the body. I still need energy. So then we go into some of our glycogen stores, which is going to be our stored formats of sugar. So we go in there, we start pulling that those pieces out. And then after that, the body's like, okay, like I'm not eating right now. Like I'm going to have to use something else for energy. And so that's when we start getting into these like fat burning phases. And that's what metabolic switching is really all about is where we stop burning sugar as our primary fuel source and we can start to burn some of our fat. When we look at fasting, fasting helps us to do that, right? We can switch into that more fat burning zone or fat burning phase when it comes to your metabolism. And so a lot of the time when people are talking about intermittent fasting, they're always talking about weight loss. And that's kind of where those two pieces line up is because when we go into that fasted state, you can access that metabolic switching. We can increase the rate at which your body can burn fat as fuel, and hopefully you'll start to see some weight loss. So who is it not for, right? So when we think about intermittent fasting, so some people should not intermittent fast across the board, right? So those women who are pregnant and women who are breastfeeding, you need constant energy. You are growing little humans. You are feeding little humans. It's not the time to go into fasting, into fasted states. This is not the this is not the time where your body will respect that or enjoy it by any means. So we want to be really mindful to to not do it during these times. When it comes to women, and if you're online at all, you'll see tons of mixed responses and experiences when it comes to intermittent fasting. And so especially for women, when we look at the research, lots of the research is done with men. And so I would say fairly confidently that most men would respond to intermittent fasting better than a female across the board. When it comes to women, my go-to response is always a little bit of like, let's see how you feel right? There's nothing being said where like it's a yes or a no. Usually when it comes to health, there's a moderate place in the middle where you might fall. And so if you're a person where you are feeling really stressed, really overwhelmed, intermittent fasting might not be your best option. Intermittent fasting is also a bit of a physical stressor on the body, right? When we go into these fasted states, your body will increase cortisol because you're having this, um, it's a normal response. And with people who, who from like a mood and an energy perspective, they're doing really well, they feel really balanced, they can have this experience. If you're like super strung out, if you're overwhelmed, if you're stressed to the max, you're just stressing your body from a physical aspect even more. So if you try it and you're like, I was a person where like, it was terrible. I was moody. I was cranky. I was having like crazy headaches. I would say that like, it's not the time for you. You need to get, we need to get you to a place where you're feeling more in control, where you're feeling more calm. And then maybe it's something we could implement in your lifestyle. So it's not necessarily the first place you would want to go. The other caveat to this as well is for some women, they find that their hormones or their monthly cycles might feel more intense with intermittent fasting. I've seen it in practice. Um, and so for those women, we automatically put more calories back in, right? So this isn't a yes or no. It's sometimes we need, we can try it and let's see how you feel. 
My other aspect that I really would love to touch on is looking at like there's different ways that you can intermittently fast. So when we were looking at it, probably like 2012 was when this like really became like the cool thing to do. Um, part of that, there was different ways that you can do it. So there was like the 7-5 seven, seven five or 2-5 rule, right? Where two of the days you were doing really low caloric amounts, you were doing about 500 calories. And then the other five days you were doing between 1,500 and 1,800 calories, which is like a normal caloric amount for most people people would be around 1800 women specifically. And so you were kind of like flipping between the days. There was um, a recommendation at one point where it was like, you know, eat normally through the week. And then one day you fast, you don't eat anything for 24 hours. That was also a recommendation. I think most people now look at intermittent fasting from like the 16 hour rule where your eating window is eight hours and then your fasting is six hours. What I like to talk about in practice is like, yes, 16 hours. This is is this like research number that we tend to use where we're having like a double blind placebo control and everybody has to do 16 hours. When it comes to health and nutrition and individualized care, this number can ebb and flow. And so if you've never tried intermittent fasting or you're not sure that it's something that's going to work for you, there is, it doesn't have to be 16 hours. You could maybe do start with 12. And I call this like intermittent fasting light, right? Where we're going from ideally, say you're putting your kids down or you're like finishing work or whoever, whatever your case may be at night, you finish at around 7. And then the next morning, you don't eat till 7 a.m., right? We're going 7 to 7, giving yourself at least 12 hours where we're not bombarding the body with glucose and free sugar and elevated insulin levels. It gives the body this metabolic break that it needs and that it requires. And so lots of people will notice that even with like 12-hour fast, they'll feel different. They'll have better energy. They'll feel less sluggish. They'll feel more focused and on point from a cognitive perspective. Sometimes we'll start to notice that, yeah, our clothes start to just feel a little bit better. So it's not something where we're going to lose like 20 pounds in a week. Like that's just, that's not realistic weight loss, number one. Number two, that shouldn't be our goal. But sometimes we'll start to notice that our clothes just feel a little bit more, more comfortable right? And so we're not feeling like we're putting on a lot of that like belly weight. Um, our digestion enjoys a little bit of a body break as well. So not having food late into the night, which will number one, affect your sleep. And number two, we don't get as great protein and digestion breakdown. And then it's also impacting our metabolism overnight, which is not supposed to be when it's most active and most robust right? So looking at maybe even starting with like a 12-hour fast would be something that might line up a little bit better for you. Again, nothing saying that 14 hours can't be effective as well. So anywhere in that range between 12 and 16 hours is a place that we can play, right? Is a place that we can have the experience and see if it fits for us. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to health and nutrition and supplements and herbs and even medications, there is an art to all of this and not everyone responds the same. We always have this like bell curve, right? Where we're like, most people are going to be here. You could be to the left or you could be to the right. So it's always about individualized care and seeing what works for you and makes you feel your best. So if you've tried intermittent fasting in the past and you're like, I felt terrible. I was cranky. I was ornery. I wanted to snap. I had headaches, nausea, fatigue, like the list goes on, right? Where you're like, I did not feel good when I did that. My biggest recommendation would be like, let's balance out your nutrition through the day and let's see how you feel then. Usually that should probably be our first step because what we don't want to do is be like, I'm only eating for an eight hour window and then we're smashing McDonald's and pizza or we're going for the bagels because we're so hungry 
right? Like that's not the goal either. In your eating window, we still want to be really hyper-focused on those nutrient-dense foods, those foods that are giving us energy, giving us um, focus and concentration, that are giving us like good quality energy, help us to sleep better, help us to function during the day, make our mood feel really good. When we add more processed foods, it's just going to increase our inflammatory response. It usually makes us feel sluggish. We're not getting the vitamins and minerals we need and we're like bump, bump, bump back down the list, right? So we still want to be really focused on those nutrient dense foods, even in your eating window. So if intermittent fasting did not go well for you, that would be my first step adding in a really good quality breakfast, right? Making sure we're getting ample protein, ample um, fat and fiber, and adding in some carbohydrates as well. So it's not saying no carb. We just need to balance these things a little bit better. So if you're having like a veggie omelet with some slices of avocado and a side of sourdough bread, like high five. I think that that's a fantastic morning breakfast. What you'll also start to notice here is that you're not going to get those like mega cravings at 10, 10, 30, and you're not going to get those moody, like where's the granola bar experiences because we've balanced your blood sugar. We've kind of maintained your insulin a little bit lower so that it's not constantly (laughs) pissing off your body with 20,000 emails in the day, right? So having those balanced experiences over the day, making sure we're getting ample protein at lunch and in our afternoon snacks. And then most of us are really good at the dinner component. It's breakfast and lunch where we're really a little bit lack in the protein, fat, and fiber department. So those are ways that you can adjust your nutrition now that if intermittent fasting didn't work, we can add those components in first, get your mood and your energy and your hormones kind of lined up, moving more effortlessly and more seamlessly, and then seeing how you feel. And then we can talk about, okay, well, maybe let's try like 12 hours or 14 hours, right? Where if you stop eating at seven and then we ate at nine o'clock. Again, another where you're like, oh, like I would do that on a weekend. That seems that seems doable, right? There's always some caveats and some wiggle room for this. So those would be my big recommendations in regards to like, is intermittent fasting for you? <laughs> Number one, we need to figure out, is it true? So there are places where it can be really beneficial and some people like love it and feel amazing on it. And so I'm never going to go to that person and be like, the research says that it's not good for you. I mean, if you feel amazing on it, I think it's something that can stay in your in your plan. If we are thinking about trying it, the other question comes up is like, okay, so if I'm not eating between seven at night and maybe we're going to 11 the next morning, what can I have in the morning then? Like what's not going to break that fast? So if I'm feeling really good and 16 hours is like a realistic expectation that maybe I'm going to try, what do I do in the morning? So things that are not going to break your fast, so water does not break your fast, lemon water will be fine as well. If you're doing apple cider vinegar and water in the morning, you can also do that. Black coffee will also be just fine. The problem comes with coffee is that if we're adding in cream, milk, sugar, it's going to increase the caloric amount, right? And so as soon as we add calories in the morning, your body is always going to preferentially select. We we like things to be easy, right? So as soon as you put a carbohydrate in there, your body is like, I'm not going to I'm not going to use fat. That takes way too much effort to like take that fat and break it down and burn it. Screw that. I'm going to go take that real simple, simple sugar over there. And that's what I'm going to use for my energy source. So you switch out of that fat burning phase and directly into your, um, into just like your normal metabolic function where you're using glucose as your primary sugar source. So when you're adding in calories in the morning, so if you had a piece of toast or we had a latte or we're having something that adds more milk or cream or sugar, you're going to switch out of that fat burning phase. So if weight loss is our primary outcome, it's not going to be effective because we're, we're missing that, right? 
herbal teas will also be fine. So our chamomiles, our mints, as long as we're not adding honey to them, right? So honey is going to carry um, a sugar load as well. Those are the things that are not going to break your fast. Things that are going to break your fast, obviously, is adding sugar, um, sugar and milk into your coffee would be having breakfast or adding in some of um, any type of food source first thing in the morning that will affect your fast and switch you out of that metabolic fat burning zone. So those are the things you want to think about when it comes to like, okay, I'm going to try the intermittent fasting, black coffee it is for me in the morning. And then between 11 a.m. and 7 p.m., I'm still focusing on those nutrient dense macro balance meals. So we're not getting away from that where we're just like smashing pizza all day. You still want to eat your normal amount and your normal caloric value in that day. Those would be the things you'd want to you'd want to consider when it comes to intermittent fasting and if if, if it's going to work for you. Because I have seen patients where if we have a lot of anxiety, if we're having a lot of mood concerns, if our energy and our stress hormones are just off the rails, fasting is not the first place we should start. There's other baseline health considerations that you need in your life before we get to like the big shiny object where you're like, oh, I heard about intermittent fasting. Like I should totally do that. And I'm like, yes, that can be in our plan, but there's things we need to do at the base level of your house to make sure that it's stable and then it can stay up. So hopefully you gathered from this that like it's intermittent fasting isn't just the be all and end all, but what we can be really mindful of and what I think intermittent fasting has really brought to the forefront is really about metabolic function and how much sugar we're constantly bombarding our body with if we're doing the like two to three snacks a day with two to three meals it is going to cause problems downstream. And the cool part about this is that we can test for it, right? So we can test your fasting glucose and we can test your fasting insulin, which isn't really done traditionally. Um, We're really good at doing um, fasting glucose and HbA1c, which are going to be more of our diabetic markers. So we're good at being like, oh, you've got diabetes. Here's the medication you're going to go on. What we're not so great at doing is saying like, oh, 10 years ago, You already sucked at how you metabolize sugar. What are we going to do for you? What are the things that we can do for your diet and your lifestyle to make it better, to make you feel better longer so that you don't get to the point where you're diabetic? So there are ways that we can test it. So looking at your fasting glucose in relationship to your fasting insulin, which is as naturopaths and functional medicine practitioners, we test a lot. And then we utilize something called the HOMO-IR score to understand your body's capacity of like how those two things are interacting and do we see a problem? Are we having too much insulin over time? And is your body just not responding, right? We can almost look in that crystal ball and be like, ooh, we've got some metabolic issues now and we can take care of them now 10 years before we have like super problems. And then our interventions are more challenging to implement as well as it just takes longer for them to to hit home. So intermittent fasting could be something that we could think about adding in when it comes to weight loss, when it comes to better energy, when it comes to focus and concentration, if it works for you, right? Everything is individualized and there is no one size fits all. So talking with someone, having the conversation, because you shouldn't necessarily go on some crazy fad diet or doing caloric restriction. That is definitely not my opinion. You need to have this conversation with a practitioner that's going to give you the strategy about like, yes, we're at a place where we can implement this. Or maybe no, this isn't something we do first, but maybe if we're really like interested in it, let's get these things dialed in first and then we'll move there. Because for most people, when it comes to intermittent fasting and those results, you should notice an improvement or a change within about two to four weeks as your metabolism gets used to how it switches 
um, throughout the day and throughout the night. So intermittent fasting is going to be just one of the tools in our toolbox. It can be really helpful and supportive for some people. And for some people, it just doesn't work. And so trying to figure out the strategy behind it is going to be at the forefront of when it comes to your care is knowing when it when it's indicated and if it's best for you. Yay, you made it to the end of the episode. If you enjoyed today's show, I'd love for you to hit that subscribe button and to leave a review. And if you felt inspired by anything you heard today, I'd love to share with you a few ways to get started to feel like a healthy AF mom. So in the show notes below, I've left links to some of my favorite challenges. There's a five-day slay all-day smoothie challenge, a get hella hydrated challenge, and a know your labs challenge. All amazing ways that you can get started to feel like your epic version of yourself today. I also have an awesome coupon code. It's HEALTHYAF15, all caps, and that's a 15% off discount to my 14-day body reboot. Again, it's linked in the show notes below. And finally, I love to get social. So if you wanted to follow me or leave me a comment or a review, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok at dr.lauren.nd. I'll see you there.